You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. I do find that I love the brethren. Okay, so I'm not some super Christian, and there's always room for improvement and growth, and I'm looking forward to that process that God continues to do within each and every one of our lives. But I have to ask myself the question, do I find that I love the brethren? Am I drawn out to them? When you become a child of God, He'll transform you from a natural state of being inward-focused to being outward-focused. You'll find that He puts compassion and empathy in your heart towards others. You'll find yourself wanting to serve and give of yourself in a way that defies logic. As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, this is one of the most obvious signs of God's work in your heart. It'll give you a way as a child of God, and it validates your status as a part of His family. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he continues his message, Condemnation, Confidence, and Assurance. Has there ever been a time when you've entered into your prayer closet where all of a sudden everything is turned in on you and your heart begins to condemn you? We're going to talk about what that looks like in just a moment. But all of a sudden we recall certain things we have done. An unworthy thought, an unkind deed, a broken promise that we've made. And we're made conscious of our unworthiness. We're made conscious, as I mentioned before, of our failures, our foulness, our smallness, our sin. And what happens? Our heart begins to condemn us. We begin to think, I mean, what right do I have to ask God of anything? Right? Have you ever been there? Or or am I the only reprobate here in this room this evening? Have you ever felt that way before God? When this whole thing is turned in on us, and we say, wait a minute, what am I doing? How can I stand before a holy, righteous God? How can I ask him for anything when I know the truth about myself? Now, with that said, that takes us to verse 20. Let's take a look at verse 20. He goes goes on here, and he says, if our heart condemns us, and here's the good news, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Okay, so remember now, we're dealing with the, Subject of condemnation here. Okay, so here we are in our prayer closet. We're conscious of his presence. 
Our lives are being examined by some invincible searchlight. All things are being brought to the surface. And listen, this has always been the experience of all of the saints, Old and New Testament alike. Remember Isaiah and uh, his book, when he received the revelation of God lifted up high and sitting upon the throne. What was his response? Immediately, he, he, he thought of his own sin, right? He says, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And, and that's always the response. When you stand before it, when you actually have an audience with God, when you know that you've made a connection, you're actually standing before God, right? All of a sudden, you're going to be made aware of your unworthiness, right? And so our lives are being examined by some invisible searchlight. And all things are being brought to the surface. And while we're in that state, I can't pray. I just can't pray. So the first thing that I need to do is I must reassure these hearts of mine, or these hearts of ours, and we must persuade them we have this access. And guess what? It's all right. God is going to accept us just the way that we are. And he's going to hear our prayers. Now, how do we do that? Well, we may agree with what is being shown to us. We're reminded of our shortcomings, our, our sin, our unworthiness. And we grieve over it. But here's the question at that moment that we need to ask ourselves. I do find that I love the brethren. Okay, so I'm not some super Christian. And there's always room for improvement and growth, and I'm looking forward to that process that God continues to do within each and every one of our lives, but I have to ask myself the question, do I find that I love the brethren? Am I drawn out to them? I know I cannot look and see my brother and sister suffer without helping them. I'm loving them. And the conclusion that I come to then is, guess what? We are a child of God. It's sort of like the proof in the pudding right there, right? Because otherwise, if this wasn't true, I wouldn't even be concerned about other people, right? I wouldn't associate with other people. But there is this intense concern that I have and love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, the conclusion that I come to is I must be a child of God. And then that lends itself uh, to my understanding that I'm not standing before some judge, but I'm rather standing before my Father in heaven, you see. And it makes all the difference in the world. It's the proof I've passed from death unto life. Because by nature, if I wasn't born again of the Spirit of God, if I hadn't been grafted into the family of God, a son, a daughter, I would not love such people. I wouldn't be interested in them. I wouldn't be concerned about them, right? I mean, it's, it's really an amazing thing. Think about that. You know, out of the couple of hundred people that are members of our church, think about it. I mean, before I was a Christian, I, I was concerned about people who were concerned about me, members of my immediate family, my mom, my dad, my sister, you know, certain relatives, some of my closest and best friends. But you know what? I, I, and I hope you feel the same way. I am concerned about every person who walks through that door. Truly.
But it's not me. There's nothing in me that lends itself to loving people like that. But when I hear of this person going through that and that person going through this, and if there's anything that I can do to alleviate their suffering, to be there for them, to help them, to encourage them, I'm prompted by God to do that. It's his prompting me, which actually validates the fact that I am a child of God, you see. So there you have it. And and, and so if you're looking for something that will help you to get past that condemnation that we sense when we enter into our prayer closet, well, there it is. But you see, there is this desire within me to reach out and help. I'm doing that in spite of all of my other frailties and shortcomings and, you know, not measuring up to God's standards. And so what my heart is saying about me is true, absolutely true. Yes, I've blown it. Yes, there's room for improvement. Yes, I'm a sinner. I'm still God's child, and I need to remember that. And thus, I reassure my heart. And that's what we have to do. And then I can simply go on and pray without any condemnation whatsoever. You know, isn't it interesting, just something that I want to throw in here, isn't it interesting that John doesn't tell us the way to reassure our hearts, you know, to make sure that we have, in fact, access to God and that God is willing to hear our prayers, not only hear our prayers, but respond to our prayers. John doesn't tell us the way to reassure our hearts as it relates to those things. It's to think of the cross and remind ourselves of the death of our Lord for us. He doesn't say that. Because, you see, that would be too easy. And certainly we should you know, constantly have the cross before us. I'm not trying to downplay what Christ did for us on the cross. But you know what? That would be so easy for us as Christians. There is a danger in referring everything to the cross in order to have ease and peace of mind and then go on and continue in sin. You see, the difference between thinking about the cross and loving the brethren is loving the brethren, brethren is in action. And indeed, you see that? There's the difference between the two. And again, don't misunderstand where I'm going with this. I'm not downplaying the importance of the cross. The cross means everything. It it was through the cross of Jesus Christ that we are accepted of God. I mean, where our sins have been forgiven. But loving the brethren is the fail-proof test that we are truly born again. Jesus said that they would know that you're my disciples by your love one towards another. We're proving that in practice, not just in words that we speak. Notice in verses 18 and 19, let's read that again. He says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, it's so easy when, you, when we hear of, uh, you know, someone in trouble or problems or difficulties. And we, yeah, brother, I'll be praying for you. You're, you're in my prayers. You're on my heart. But it's another thing altogether to rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in that person's life and making an investment in that individual. In verse 19, he says, And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. You see, that's how we deal with this condemnation that we've been talking about this evening. So loving the brethren is the fail-proof test that we are truly born again. And we're proving that in practice. So the first thing we must do, so this is the first thing that we must do 
uh, to be freed from a sense of condemnation. Now, the second condition that I want to draw your attention to is that we must have confidence towards God. In verse 21, Behold, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And so, again, this is the second point, and it's so very, very important that we have confidence towards God. Okay, let me, uh, let me uh, paint the scenario for you here. We're confronted with some dilemma, right? And so we quickly run into our prayer closet. And then all of a sudden, this voice, as I've already suggested, tells us, hey, Mike, you have no right to pray. You've forgotten God. The only time you run into your prayer closet is when you need something. Have you ever heard that voice? Has that voice ever spoken those words to you? And we're uncertain. We have no confidence. So how do we overcome this? Well, we've already settled the first thing. We've gotten rid of the sense of condemnation. The second step is to have confidence in God, which is so absolutely vital to true prevailing prayer. You know, have you noticed the word boldness? You know, consider all of, particularly in the New Testament. Have you noticed that in many of the verses that address the subject of prayer, the word boldness is used in connection in the scriptures? For example, a couple of cross-references are going to come up here on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly, basically have confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 in that same book of the Bible, therefore, brethren, having boldness or confidence to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. In that same chapter 10 in the book of Hebrews in verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, there's that word, assurance of faith, having our heart or confidence, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. One last cross-reference, and there's a ton of them, but in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Okay, but how are these things obtained? Well, it's through our sonship, recognizing that we are sons and daughters of God. Think of it in this way. It's sort of like a right of birth, right? It's like a right of birth because we are sons and daughters of God. There is this consciousness within us of our sonship. And this is, again, something that is determined by our what? Loving the brethren. Isn't that what John has already told us in our text of Scripture? This is how we know that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are of the truth, that we are born again. We are loving the brethren. So when I go before God in prayer, I'm not going before, as I mentioned before, a judge. I'm going before my father. And... uh, You know, I I loved it, and you've heard me use this illustration before, but when my kids were young, 
Now they're all grown up and they're adults with their own children uh, themselves. But I remember whenever they had any kind of a need or a problem, you know, I, I would come home from work or they would come home from school and I'd be in the living room or at my desk, you know, writing messages or whatever, studying the word. And they would always come running into the room and jump up on my lap and, and uh, you know, bring all of these issues and problems and, and uh, you know, Daddy, Daddy, we, I need some help. What do you, can you help me out? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you, you know, work this out for me? And I would just delight. I, I would love that when my children would just jump up into my lap and, and, and ask me to get involved in their lives. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father. You see, I know God delights in me. In fact, he has even a greater capacity to love you than I had to love my children. And listen, let me tell you something. I love my children more than my own life. I don't think there's anything in this world apart from God himself that I love more than my kids and now my grandkids. But I know that God delights in me. I know that I have his ear. I know that he's ready to bless. I know that he's willing and anxious to grant to me all those things that are good. So confidence, well, there you have it. That absolute assurance that I am a child of God. So that's our second point. The third and final thing that I want to draw your attention to, the last condition, is that assurance that is our right of access. That's the assurance that we have, that we have this right of access to God. Notice in verses 21 and 22, let's read that again. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, talk about assurance, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So over and above my confidence is my right of access. I must have assurance with regard to my petitions. You know, Jesus put it this way in John 15, in verses 7 and 16. He says, if you abide in me, and notice this is predicated on our, our abiding in Christ, staying very close to him, all right? And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Let me balance this out by saying that if you're in Christ, and his word, and we're talking about the scriptures, the things that we've learned, the things that we are taught, right? As it relates to prayer, we're going to be asking for those things that God wants to do in our lives, you see. We're going to place a high premium upon those things that God wants for us. We're not going to be asking for things that are outside of God's will for our lives, right? Things that would hinder us in our relationship and our experience with God. We're going to be right in the center of God's will for our lives. And we're going to be praying for those things, right? We're going to be led by the Spirit, as we pray, right? He's going to prompt us in the things that we should be praying for. And so we're going to be right in the center of God's will. And you can be sure that God is going to answer, that God is going to respond. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, 
and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Folks, talk about assurance. So, I know that I'm living the Christian life the best that I can. We're not perfect, right? Sometimes we fail. We're giving it our best shot. Sometimes we don't use the wonderful resources that God has made available to us, and, you know, we don't measure up. But nevertheless, we're trying to live the Christian life. We know that we are, to the best of our abilities, controlled by the Spirit, right? We are people who are led by the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. Therefore, my desires and petitions have been created by him, that is the Holy Spirit, as I've already mentioned, and therefore I can be certain my prayers will be answered because my prayers are being dictated to me by the Holy Spirit. But if I'm not living the life, the Christian life, my petitions are probably arising from the flesh, my carnal nature. And don't be surprised then if my prayers are not being answered. But listen, if we follow in Christ's footsteps, totally obedient unto the Lord, we have the spirit without measure, we can say like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but thine be done, you can be sure your requests will be granted. Notice again what it says there, verse 22 and 23. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. Okay, so... Here we are before God. We're in our prayer closet. Let me ask you these questions as we close out this evening's message. Have we confidence in our prayer? Well, these are the things that are necessary. We need to, first of all, as we've already mentioned, reassure our hearts. Secondly, we need to get rid of condemnation. We need to be confident we are a child of God. And above it all, we have the assurance which is given alone to us by the Spirit, is indwelling within us. It's by His life, His living His life through us, right? And He is directing our prayers. The Spirit is in each and every one of the petitions that we're bringing before God. These are the ways that we know that our prayers will be effective. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. 1 John 4, 9 reminds us that we can be certain God loves us. How is this possible? We know because He sent His one and only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. We are given the chance at eternal life with our Creator because Jesus came to the earth to die in our place. His gift of grace is available to you today. 
Would you like to learn more about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus? We'd be happy to tell you all about it. Please give us a call at 212-247-1877. You can also find out more about this relationship by visiting our website, harvestnyc.org. Under the Resources tab, you'll find some information on how to know God. This will tell you why you need a Savior, why God sent His Son, and how your life can be transformed forever. You're always welcome to connect with us with questions, and we'd love to know if you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Our phone number again is 212-247-1877. We want to meet you, too. If you're going to be in Midtown Manhattan, come join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. Or join us virtually. We're streaming each Sunday and Thursday, so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. That website again is harvestnyc.org. Thanks for tuning in to In My Father's House. Oh